Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. I told you on Sunday that we would continue this series tonight, and we are talking about living in the zone. And I really believe that God has us in a time where he really is very specific about how he appoints a time. I am, I believe fervently that not only does God create times and seasons, but he creates our life with boundaries and limits. And, and, and don't get me wrong, God creates us with all kinds of like possibility. And whether we ever come into the possibility is really whether or not we really want to trust and believe God is what it comes to. But also there's times and seasons in the earth that God ordains more special and deems it more special than others. And we see it all throughout Scripture. And tonight, whether you're online, we welcome you, or in person, welcome you. Share the stream tonight if you haven't already. Let people know where you're watching from. If you have a prayer request tonight, let our online team, prayer team know. Just send up a wave hand or say, hey, I got a special request. And that way we know to pray for you. But tonight, as we continue this series, Living the Zone, we have talked about different things already. Sunday was about the times and the seasons. It was about a kairos time. And in fact, a kairos time is a Greek word in the New Testament that means a God-appointed time. And you find that not a lot in the New Testament. Uh, there's not always, when it says time, does it talk about a kairos time. So we have to understand that there are different times where it's just time, it's just a season, but then there's a God-appointed moment. And in this series, we're going to be talking about excellence, and we're going to be talking about uh, how to move in excellence and how to embrace living in the zone. And, and we're going to be talking about those different types of things and the anointing of God and, and consecration and what that looks like. We'll, in fact, be talking about that this Sunday, consecration and the anointing. But tonight, I want to talk about uh, what is the zone, because we really didn't get to break it down Sunday, not only what the zone is, but... How do we move from zone to zone? God-appointed times of kairos to kairos or times that God has called us to. I'm going to read a text to you tonight, but I've got to build before I get back to it. But I want to go ahead and read this. And let's look at 1 Samuel 17. We're going to look at David. He is talk, trying to talk Saul into letting him go against this uncircumcised Philistine. And we're not going to break down the story, but we're going to look at what David was using, okay? And, and, and as far as instruments with battle. 1 Samuel 17, 33 through 37 says, this is David speaking, uh, or, or, or Saul speaking at the beginning. He said, don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight the Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And he said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. I love the way the New Living Translation says this. He said, I go after them, a lion or a bear, with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. Now, that's a bad man right there. And I have to say, you can hand me a club all day long. The only club I know is a golf club, and I'm not even that good with those. 
But I, I, and he said, I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan or uncircumcised Philistine too, for he's defeated the armies of the living God. For the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. Saul finally considered, all right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Now we hear all the time in the church phrases like, God's just on the move. And God's moving. And we hear it a lot. And I believe that. I believe we are seeing God move in the Lamb. And we're seeing God move all over the world. And I believe that God is moving in places that we have no idea where they are. And if someone would say the name of the place, we wouldn't have a clue. But I could believe that God is moving everywhere. Yet many times people are not able to discern the time zone which they are in to know how to respond to the move of God. Now that's vital. That's very important to know that. The word zone, when I'm talking about that today, derives from the Latin word which means belt or girdle is what it means. This word's used to describe uh, something in an area that is encircled by something else. In fact, often this word zone is used as we see time zones in the earth and we know that there's 15 geographical zones that exist on the earth. Each zone is separated with one hour increments. And these zones are defined by belts, which run north to south on the earth's axis. So that's how many times we see this word zone used, time zones. And God has spiritual time zones. And I want us to look at God's zones tonight. What does that look like for you and I? What does that look like, God's zones, when he places us in a zone? Or he's appointed us in a time to be in a certain zone. Now, God moves, we know, from glory to glory, from breast to breast, from zone to zone, so to speak. He moves from one season to the other, or time to time, that he moves, but it's from zone to zone, or glory to glory. However, there may be something from the previous zone that you had in that zone that will not be in your next zone or Cairo's time or God's appointed time for you in a certain season. There's certain people that might be in this zone that won't be with you in the next one. And I'm not talking about death. I'm just saying that they're not going to be with you. I'm not talking about instruments or anything like that. They could be there. But it doesn't mean that they're appointed to be used in that time. And God owns these zones. So God can do with the zones with what he wants because we are his people. The Bible says that we are no longer our own, that we've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So he appoints to us in certain zones. I believe God is so specific that he even appoints people to live in certain regions. I mean, I can show you in Scripture that God has, and I'll touch you just a tad bit on it, but there's times I prayed, God, get me out of this area. You know, young, I gave up on that prayer. This is where I'm called. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm to be. If God's got anything for me to know, he'll let me know. But God owns the zone. He can do with what he sees fit. In other words, God sets the qualities within the zones and the limits that may be experienced. He, he even gives his own features and characteristics in with the Kairos zones that he has created for me and you to live in. Now, I believe we need to know the boundaries set by God in each zone. That we need to be people that pray and ask God, God, what is it you need me to do in this time of living? God, what is it? How do I need to operate? What are we using? What are you speaking, God? We know that you're moving. 
We know, God, that you're always moving. But then I believe there's also special moves of God when the heaviness or the glory of God or the anointing of God is just more spectacular in other seasons. And I believe we're up on that season. And I really tonight am speaking more of a prophetic message just to this church. Because I know what God's saying about this church. And in 1 Chronicles 12 and 32, I read it to you Sunday, but I have to touch base on it again. It says, of Issachar, men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. God always has holy men or women of God that know what to do and an understanding and how to respond within the zone that they are living. There's always a people that know. And God always had them throughout Scripture. And God was very specific when David was about to take Israel and, and take it over. And he was going to battle and he was winning wars. But all these people gathered. There was 200 men out of the tribe or the place of Issachar. And they, they were ready to do battle. But they understood the times and they knew what to do. Issachar was a prophetic people. That don't mean they was prophets, but they was prophetic people. They were God-ordained people for a certain time. I believe that we are a prophetic people. When I say we, I'm talking to our close-knit church tonight. I, I, I'm talking to those that's connected to the house. And when I say connected, you're involved. You're either involved online or you've been here for a while. However it is, you're, even if you've been here a day, I always tell people you belong before you ever show up because we pray. I mean, before I even became the pastor and I knew I was coming here, I said, God, send us your people. Don't send us just anybody because we need to do something in these last days. And God, I know that you got something special for us. So the people that's here is not on account of my good preaching. I know that. It's on account of my leadership. I don't believe that. But I believe that God just appointed me here and sent me here. But those that's with me has, sent, has been sent with me to do a work. Now, one of the attributes of living in the zone, as this, this, this um, sermon series is called, is having the knowing what to do and how to respond. In other words, a prophetic people. A people that's ordained to do something really extraordinary in the earth. And, I, you know, I kept typing this out and thinking on this even last week. And as I was typing this out, I guess I got my days mixed up. I know it's Wednesday, but I don't know what I did on what day. Have you ever been there? Amen? So either Monday or Tuesday, I believe Tuesday, when I was typing this out, or maybe even Monday evening, and I was just working on it. You know, there's been many times that it's been brought to my attention. It's just like the Holy Spirit has let me see that God's not truly, totally exposed to our church, even to our region. And I tell Kristen, I said, it surprises me that people don't know who we are or what we do. I said, my heavens, you think with all the shares on Facebook around certain seasons, they would just know that we're here. But there's people that don't even really know we're here in our own region, our own county, in our own back door. People say, where are you pastor? Well, I live down in Aracoma. Where is that at again? I will, well, that's the metal building, the, the wood sign. That, that place, you don't pay, I mean, I know where everything is. You give me a landmark, I haven't been there in five years. Yeah, I remember that place. But some people just don't pay attention. But God has not allowed us to be totally exposed. The, who we've been exposed to ministry-wise is who God's appointed us to be exposed to. Now, I, I know that's a deeper thought. But a prophetic, the prophetic is a mantle 
that's placed upon an apostolic ministry. Now, that word apostolic scares people to death because, first of all, they believe that you've got to be Pentecostal, be apostolic, you've got to be Jesus only. No, they usually just put that over their doors. The word apostolic comes from the word sent in the New Testament. When you see it in a few places, that comes from the Greek word apostolo, where we get the word apostolic. And it has a totally different meaning. Apostolic means this, a sent people to a region or place with the full backing of the sender. In fact, when Jesus was, was speaking to the disciples, and he told them to go wait in Jerusalem. He breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. But he breathed upon them and he said, I'm sending you as the Father has sent me. There is where we find the word apostolic that I'm speaking of. That He said, as I send you, I've been sent by the Father in the earth with his full backing. But as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And you had the Father's full backing when you go to Jerusalem. And you're going to receive and be clothed and endure with the anointing or the power of God with the Holy Ghost. So they represent Christ. And he was saying that everywhere you go, you represent Christ. So let's say, let's just say we have this massive tent outside. Okay, i got to build a picture. And I know you all like barbecue. If not, I don't know if you could make Kevin. I mean, you need to pray about it. But I literally like barbecue and smoked barbecue. And, 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 and you know, I'm just joking with you. I, I know you can not like barbecue and go to heaven, but I really like barbecue. It tastes if there's a taste of heaven, to me, it's ribs. Okay, good ribs. But maybe I should open up a restaurant. No, I'm joking. But say there's a tent outside and we are smoking ribs. But the tent, the, the smell only goes to the top of the tent. And in other words, it stays inside. It only reaches to the roof of the tent or the bottom of the ceiling and, and all the way around. And the tent's made so good of fabric that only those that's in the tent know the smell of barbecue. In fact, not only do they know the smell and they smell it, they've been exposed to it, but they actually get to witness what that barbecue looks like and what it tastes like. Now, the aroma, the anointing, we see that many times in the Old Testament, talking about the anointing, that there's an aroma to it. There's so many spices in it that if you was just near the anointing, when they put it together, like they poured up on Aaron and his head and went down his beard and down to his garments that we read about in Psalm 133, that's how they would anoint the high priest. So there would be a smell. You would know, oh, that's the anointing they made. That's what God gave a recipe for. But the aroma of the anointing, the power of the prophetic, the apostolic mantle can be experienced only by those who reside within the limits or the boundaries of the tent or the zone. So they may know that you're a church, but they don't feel the weight or the quality of that church until they've been exposed to it. That's when it begins to like, oh, that's right. You know, you can see the sign, you can see the building, doesn't do anything. But until you actually get in the inner workings or get in and connected somehow, you don't know what is held there. The best way to describe the prophetic is this, is living out Cairo's time from season to season, zone to zone, and following Christ in those God-ordained times. The best way that I know to describe the apostolic is this, is sent forth ones operating the backing of the sender while adhering to the teachings of Christ. It's that simple. It sounds deep, but it's simple. It's so simple because everything God does, when he really exposes it, it's very simple. He doesn't do things so difficult and so hard that we cannot understand or speak to us in a way. When people speak in such a way that you can't understand them, Jesus always spoke and people always understood him. 
And in Jesus is our example. That's the way we should speak and teach the ministry. There's an anointing for that to be flowed through people that's teaching and preaching, to be able to make it simple for those that's hearing. But I, believe, I see it as simple. But I believe that God also, he brings an exposure to that anointing in that house. And living in the zone would be coming under the tent of the prophetic or the apostolic together. There is a supernatural lubrication, if you will, provided to it. That when you're around there, it's just supernatural. You know, there's some things that people look at us and they'll, they'll say, and I'll give you some examples tonight. They'll talk about our life groups. It just happens. I'll be honest with you, yeah, behind the scenes there's some, work, some gritty work to it. But our life groups, as far as how they explain it to people, we tell them it's supernatural. Things just happen. Every semester we'll have new groups and about saying, you know, they're just dorm groups. It's amazing. Don't get me wrong, we're, we're, we're taking stats with them, we're looking at it, we're making sure everybody's got everything they need, we're going to do it in the time. Yeah, there's some work there, but they actually happens easy. I see people try to dig them out, and they can't dig them out. The way it's happened for us is easy. Even when it comes to our, our, our ministry and worship, it's just the moment we got here wasn't long. We had a worship team. Don't get me wrong. We, we had bones, and it was just a skeleton of what we're doing now. I mean, nowhere near to the level we're at, but it was just something that came. Can't explain it. There's other things that's happened as far as ministry in this house that's just happened. Because it's supernatural. It was nothing that I worked up or really worked hard. You know, the days that I worked the hardest are the days that really have nothing to do with the ministry when it comes to around the church and the way it works. Because it's like it just becomes easy. To the world, they don't understand how. But to the people in their tent, they know that every bit of it is a God thing. That it's not built just on a personality, but it's built on the power of the Holy Spirit and the prophetic colliding with the apostolic. And under this tent, things do not have to be forced, is what I'm trying to say. That there's certain things that don't have to be forced. I can tell you now, I mean, our thriving ministry, we got 80-some kids in the homeschool. We don't talk about it often. First of all, we can't house it if we would advertise it. So we don't even advertise. I think we made two Facebook posts the whole day. I mean, we may show a video of kids singing or something special happened. But as far as advertising enrollment, we just don't do it. Can't. Can't house it. So we made only two posts for that in three years. And what I'm saying about that is it was a step of faith. But as soon as Kristen and, and Val took the step of faith, it's like, bam, something happened. It was insanity. And it wasn't forced. It just, they just didn't worry about it. I mean, I am one of those people that I got to see the plan fully written out and, and see where everything's dotted and every eye cross. I mean, it wasn't ready about the T's crossing, the I's been dotted. They said, it's just happened. I just look at them. I finally just said, okay. It's, you know, but I'm just trying to tell you under that type of anointing, and I can go on all day long about other things that we don't have time tonight, but under this tent, if it's common for people to speak the same things and have the same terminology. It's weird when I walk up to people in the church and they're speaking things that I know they've not heard from my mouth or no one else's, but they say, you know, I really see our church doing this. I'm like, that's what the Lord's been speaking to me. I'm the pastor. He's speaking to you first. Tell me. I want to know, did the Lord tell you before he told I'm just joking, but, you know, I, 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 you're sitting there. It's crazy. And I'm saying all that because from our text this evening, we've seen David. He told Saul this. He said, I can fight Goliath. He said, I can take him down. Why? He's like, why can you take him down? Because I, I can whip a lion and a bear with a club. You hear me? I grabbed the lamb out of its mouth. 
I go up with a club and I absolutely wear him out. And David also said, the Lord rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear. And he'll rescue me from Goliath. So he was looking at Goliath as something that was no different than this bear and lion. That was his fate. And I want you to notice the weapon that David used against the bear and the lion was a club. Why didn't he, if that club was so awesome, why didn't he go up to that giant with that club? Because it's a different time zone. And it's a different season. And different seasons have different instruments. Different seasons have different things that we use. David was living in the zone. So when he goes against Goliath, what does he do? He grabs a sling and some stones. He grabbed enough stones to study it out, not just for Goliath, but for all his giant brothers. In case they come around, he said, I'll take them all out. God's with me. And, and what worked in the last zone or season of David's life with the club, with the lion of bear? You never read David picking up a club again to wear out a bear or a lion. In fact, think about after him and the sling. It's such a mighty story, such an anointed story that we use and preach so often, especially in kids' church and, and, and Sunday school. But you don't see David go back to the sling and the stones again. Just because something worked in the last time zone doesn't mean it's going to work under this time zone. Against Goliath, here he is with the sling and the stones. But in today's world, in the church, we have so many not operating in the prophetic. And I don't say that demeaning. I'm just saying that they don't catch it. They've been trying to use their same sling and stone for 70 years. It was good 900 time zones ago, spiritually speaking. But it's not now. And I, I mean, I can go on about some really bold things. And even the, the, this, the psalmist, and Isaiah says to sing a new song. Why? Because it's fresh. It's anointed. It's fresh. It's for the moment. Someone was going on about, you know, was telling my dad not long ago, I, I, listen, if they don't sing the old music, I don't go to that church. And I'm like, did you ask him what the apostle Paul was singing with Silas? We don't know what they're singing, but I want to sing some of the hymns Paul sang, but why are we not singing his hymns? Why? Because there's been new songs, and those songs over time have been lost. God's always springing forth something new with new instruments and new ways that we do things, and it's just because it's for the new time zone. I've been listening to music today while working on Sunday's mu music that I listened to in 2000. I was listening to Passion Worship 2000. Look it up. It'll rock. Okay. I, I still get, I, I know, I have to revert to some of that stuff and listen to it. But there's just some things that we have to understand is old and rusty and it does not have lubrication. So we got to know, not just the season we're in, we can say God's moving, God's moving. But if our instruments are old and rusty and void of lubrication, meaning the anointing, then we're not going to have the effect that we would if we had picked up the instruments that God's called us to use. So let's read some on Samson. Judges 13. And we'll talk about a lot about Samson on Sunday, but Judges 13, 24 and 25 says, And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. Now listen, watch how the Lord speaks here. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp, uh, camp of Dan between Zorah and Esthal. Now think about the word times. He said, in times. That means he moved upon him in different time zones and time places. In fact, when Samson would do a work for God, we know the Spirit of God would come upon him for that moment. 
And we read about all these different stories of Samson, how God anointed him, but the Spirit of God would come upon him and he would do a mighty work. But in times, it's like God would use fresh instruments every time Samson would go to do something great. But then he also gave boundaries to him, saying, but, uh, talking about the camp of Dan and what, what places he's between. He even gave a zone of where his calling would be. Now that's deep. The Spirit, the Spirit of God at times would move upon Samson in different types of ways and purposes where he would use different instruments. Now, for Samson, the instrument of each of these moves interestingly was different. In Judges 14 and 6, he killed a lion with his bare hands. And you find in Genesis 14, 12 through 19, that Samson used a riddle, and as he used a riddle, he confused his enemy or whatever, and then he slayed 30 men. Then you find in Judges 15, Samson used a fresh jawbone of a donkey to kill the Philistines. He just didn't kill Philistines. His victory brought him 1,000 men was died. He just had a jawbone of a donkey going around like a crazy man under the anointing, tearing up everybody that came around him. He didn't do it with his bare hands that time. He didn't use a riddle that time. But he moved from those instruments and he moved to a jawbone of a donkey. Now, right after the victory of a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey, what does Samson do with the jawbone? Me, in my thinking, I would have that thing like a mantle. A thousand men. <laughs> Samson knew that God probably was going to use that instrument in the next time zone. So what did he do? He just threw it aside. That's all he did. It's like, it, God, if he wants me to use something, then next time zone, it'll be there. Next place, next Kairos moment. Samson maximized his potential by knowing the time zone and living out the current zone. Samson understood the timing of God and what to do in the timing of God. Why? Well, it's a long story. I'll get there Sunday, but because of the anointing of God and his relationship connected with God. Samson was very relational before it all went down bad with God. But if Samson would have kept the jawbone, he would have probably, yeah, done some works for God, but it had been at a minimal capacity and not at the maximum level. Sometimes we can be using strategies or instruments, I believe, so old that, yeah, we're getting, yeah, we're seeing some effects, but only maybe only 40% of what we really could or 60%. But if we got God's word on it and we had to know and how to respond in the time, then I believe we can maximize on 100% of what God has called us to do. God is wanting to help us replace an old idea, an instrument, or tactic with a new one. Now, what happens if we do not opt in for change? I believe that we will produce ministry only, only on a minimal level. And here we are, at, we have been declaring uh, since March that this is the beginning of the end of times, and we don't have time to waste on winning souls and doing ministry and all those things. We don't have time just to dispel out there anywhere that we really need to be latching on to something new and doing ministry at the maximum level. Why? We, we have to kill the spirit of fear. Fear is attacking our land. Do you think that it's God's appointed for us to be in fear? No, I believe we're operating in wisdom. But there's a lot of people in fear. But there's a lot of good church people that's operating wisdom and, and are doing the right thing. And by no means, I have my mask on probably all day around 
out here at the church with kids going in and out. But we must kill the spirit of fear, of laziness and complacency. Those are the things. We get complacent and comfortable with what God's done so long ago. And we keep carrying it with us in every new season. And God said, I'm trying to get you to pick up something new. Yeah, you're hearing I'm doing something, but you don't know how to respond or to even operate in the time zone because you're still hanging on to things way zones ago. Samson never took one move of God from one time zone to another. He, he did not take equipment or, or a tool or an instrument, neither did David. For every move of God, God has fresh equipment. I believe that. Ways and tools and ways that the anointing, the power of God, it comes into our lives. That's why we must be like the sons of Issachar, and we must know the timing of God and what to do. Can I tell you a lot of that's happening in the world today is just trying to distract us from doing ministry. Satan knows his time is about up and that we're at the beginning to end the times. Look at our world today. It's the most confused it's ever been. God's not an author of confusion. He's a God of order. The devil operates in a lot of order. But his order and his game plan is to cause confusion, to deter us from looking at the Cairo's time and the God-appointed time of the earth and to look at an election, to look at a pestilence such as COVID, to constantly have our mind taken off these things when God's saying, listen, Things that's going to happen, they're going to happen to the earth. But it doesn't mean my power comes away. It doesn't matter that my blessing or my favor goes away from the church. It doesn't mean I'm not going to quit work. You know, just because things change in the earth doesn't mean that God's done or things are over. Things that's going to happen in the near future, I believe the church is praying. I believe the church can have a lot to do with what's going to happen in the next month in this nation, the next two or three months. Are we going to repent? Are we going to turn from our wicked ways? Are we really going to seek the face of God? Or are we going to be deterred by all the confusion that's around us? God wants us zoned in to the Cairo's time, looking unto him with our faith. Not looking to the right or the left, not being deterred by anything that comes around, and not being tossed about by any wind of doctrine, but being solid in the faith with relationship unto Jesus Christ. Jesus launched out ministry at the right time. 30 years old. Why? Because he knew the times. He knew how to respond. He was living out a prophetic. He was the apostolic walking around sin. To his region, time, the ultimate in the world. Every time zone has its own assignment and tools. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.